Discussing documentaries with me, Matt Wills, and the lovely Rick Wharton. Say hello, Rick. Hello, right, folks. So I'll just give you the, the synopsis of this documentary. It focuses on the career of pro wrestler Brett Sergeant Hart, a.k.a. Brett Hitman Hart. And it focuses on a single year in his life around the controversial exit from WWF. That's the World Wrestling Federation. And it was directed by Paul Jay. And here's a quote about Brett Hitman Hart. He's the best there is, the best there ever was, and the best there will ever be. What a documentary. Rick, lead us in, my friend. Lead us in. Because this was a clearly, this was a Rick Wharton special. This this was almost too much my choice. I was worried what you would think about it. But even in that, even in that intro there, Matt, you said something I did not know. And I had no idea his middle name was sergeant <laughs> what a family like, oh of course that's what you call this kid's middle name <laughs> yeah <laughs> now i don't know nothing about no wrestling right i mean i don't know absolutely nothing this is why it was going to be an interesting one i thought i, I dropped this one because it's an interesting one for people who don't like it and just to see the the, the difference in it not so much don't like it, or not experienced or or, or seen a, a whole heap of it but I watched this. I, I loved wrestling when Bret Hart had his first surgence as the big hero. Stopped watching it for a while. And then I came back to watching it shortly after where this documentary is set. Right, okay. Uh, All right. Uh, and this what this documentary is, is probably the most talked about moment in wrestling history. Right, okay. Well, I'll tell you from a, from a non-wrestling person's point of view, which is clearly what I am. So let me start... Let me start with an apology. So I clearly, I didn't know this until I was watching it. I looked down my nose. Uh, I was incredibly snobbish about people who like wrestling. I genuinely thought you were all idiots. Uh, so uh, to, to yourself, Rick, and to anyone who loves wrestling, I apologize. I didn't get it. I really didn't get it. I've now watched this documentary. I get it. I love it. I'm in. I'm genuinely in. It's like I've been shown a door that I could never see before and I stepped through. Since watching this documentary, I've got a really good friend of mine who genuinely, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And part of me is like, well, you ain't that smart, mate. You're a wrestling fan. So I've had to apologise to him. He's given me some things to recommend. I've done about four hours on YouTube watching other wrestling matches. I'm in, man. This is this is like my, oh, my gateway drug. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I we, loved it. We have to go into that because I, I think this is the start of a wrestling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now I say I don't know nothing about wrestling, right? But it, it, right here's the weird thing. So my only claim to fame in wrestling is to do with one of my best friends, Amanda, right? Now, she was in a film called Jungle Ground, which starred Roddy Piper. Wow. Now, Roddy Piper's in one of my favourite films. He was in John Carpenter's They Live, right? I'm a big John Carpenter fan. Now, that's the extent of my wrestling knowledge. Now, I know that Roddy Piper uh, was an ex-wrestler, and my friend Amanda knew him, and she was in a film with him. Turns out, Brett Hitman Hart, 
him and Roddy are related. They're cousins. Oh, so, yeah, but so everyone from Canada of... is related to the Hart family. <laughs> that's, that's everyone who's been through the dungeon <laughs> is officially related. Oh, right. Okay, so in the six degrees of separation rules, yeah. I kind of know Brett the Hitman Hart, who is the new lover by life. Uh, which, yeah, so, and he's the hero of the documentary, Brett Hitman Hart. So, um, yeah, and obviously my other claim to fame on wrestling is I had Colt Cabana on my show and we hung out for a bit. Uh, one Edinburgh, which you were doing backflips about when I told you that. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know yeah, who huge. Colt Cabana is, but he's got the same build as Brett the Hitman Hart. He's huge, next next to little old five foot me. Again, in the WWF, Bret Hart considered a small guy. Yeah, he's only six. Brett foot. got his first. Yeah, Brett got his first brick um, because of a, a huge steroid trial with the U.S. government trying to get McMahon to admit he was given his wrestlers steroids. And they needed to kind of push or, or build up a character that obviously didn't look juiced to the max as like Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan did right. back in the day. So that was a huge thing for him. But he's still like 225 uh, pounds, 220 pounds, 240 pounds for a six foot guy. I mean, when you see him walking around shirtless, you're just like, that is three men <laughs> together. Oh, uh, yeah. He's a huge guy. Well, I, I tell you, so from the off, I've, I've started watching it. And I was just sitting again, bloody Rick. What's he picked up? Bloody wrestling. God, this is going to be dreadful. And then Bret Hart comes on the screen and his colours are black and pink, right? Now, they're not just black and pink. They're the exact same black and pink as my parachute rig from when I was a skydiver. So from the off, I'm like, oh, okay, I quite like this guy. This is is triggering you from the off. Yeah, right? So I'm like, okay. And, And he just... Yeah, just throughout the documentary, I think I'm going to use the word heartbreaking just more than anything else. <laughs> well, uh, weird uh, Bret Hart story for me is, uh, so me and my brother loved it. My brother was five years older than us. Uh, I think I had a fancy dress school Christmas party or, or whatever it was. It was with the school, but you all went in fancy dress for like a disco or something. But this is thankfully before pre-teens this is when like seven or eight years old when you can get away with looking like an idiot yeah and i went as bret hart i remember my mother made us the um wow went made us the wig on a balloon with paper mache and then popped the balloon so then the wig was still stuck together and that's how she did that but my brother <laughs> being a typical big brother wouldn't let me lend his official bret hart sunglasses of course he wouldn't so I had to leave. I had to have the regular, some some daft, fancy-looking glasses, looking more like Elton John. And <laughs> I, if I'm not mistaken, I and the the pink tutu is the tank top. <laughs> I, I placed as uh, they thought I was Tina Turner. Okay. And All if right. that was at an age where like people would have had consciousness and remembered that. That would have stuck with me through a lot of years of school. Thankfully, it was like six or seven. If there wasn't pictures of me wearing flouncy sunglasses and a pink tutu, I would have been, yeah, I would have been a pariah for, for sure. So you were a fan then? You were a fan from, he was your George Michael, basically. Uh, as I mean, it was my brother that was into it and I was following along with it. And then right, on, the, okay. yeah, yeah. on the back of it, like I remember we went to an event in Whitley Bay Ice Rink as a kid. And then we had the figures, the toys, and then the computer games. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because he was big, this guy. I didn't, I mean, I'd never heard of him. Brett was huge. He was loved. And that look was big because that look was a cool look. 
He did look cool. He, yeah. He, he, he had the hair, the glasses. The fact he gave the kid the glasses in the yeah. front row every time. That was every... Yeah, every single time. He had a mullet, right? And you can't... Mullets are not that cool. He, he rocks a mullet. I mean, he really does. It's just it's little things like um, he was terrible at giving interviews. He was not. He's not known as a charismatic guy. He's best technical wrestler <laughs> of all time, yes. but not great at giving interviews. So they told him uh, wear glasses and hide behind the glasses, and that's that's why he started wearing the sunglasses. Oh, so right, okay. My my respect for wrestlers. Uh, I mean, I get that it's a physical. It's a physical mm. thing. I get that, but I, I didn't. I didn't respect him or disrespect him. I just. I, I gave them no fault. I just thought people who watch wrestling were idiots. Uh, once again, very sorry. Um, oh, there's no <laughs> apology needed. <laughs> but after watching this documentary, my respect for wrestlers—they are up there. It, it's. I don't know. You know the. Um, you know the documentary, The Last Dance, all about the. Yep. The, the Bulls. Michael Jordan for me is up there with the top sportsmen. Um, yeah, these wrestlers now, they're on par for me with Michael Jordan. The effort and the pain they have to go through to be at the top of their game is is just as much as, you know, someone like Michael Jordan or Matt Fraser from CrossFit. They put their time in and it's tough. They're not, they're not just athletes. They're actors, they're directors, they're choreographers. They are incredibly talented people. And you you think they're just, um, yeah, well, it, it, because he says, you know, meatheads play fighting. Yeah. yeah, and you know, he says, you know, people call us phonies. No, they're definitely not phonies. Um, well, again, this is where we're probably going to get sidetracked a lot in this one due to just like the, I listened to five podcasts, Bill Burr and four wrestling ones. <laughs> so, so the level of obtuse knowledge or little thing, like back in the day before WWF blew up. Because they've never admitted it was fake, and then one of the reasons why Vince McMahon was able to expand his because it was all territories. Yes. And then Vince McMahon went national and then global. Um, one of the reasons he was able to do so is he admitted it was fake. So because all wrestling companies had to pay a license to an athletic commission, which was a huge drain on their resources, because the athletic commission had to do like I don't know whatever to make it well, legit. Because they sport. said it was a sport. Because they said it was real. Yeah, they didn't admit right, okay. it was fake until like 1992. And there was old schools. So the WCW they talk about, that Southern Wrestling against the, the Northeast, it was the New York market, which McMahon expanded. Right. But there was like uh, promoter Bill Watts, an old racist cowboy who run the Southern Wrestling. And the rule was, if you lost a bar fight, you were fired, no matter if you were the champion. And if someone called you phony, you had to fight them. And there was all these kind of weird, because it was all carny tricks. And where it evolves from, is insane. It's a traveling circus that just caught on. Right, okay. Uh, and the roots to it are absolutely uh, fascinating to me. And it's the idea, again, what you're saying is all the stuff they have to, to do to build and to worry about their character. Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and this is about Bret Hart, but if you ever watch a full wrestling show, the undercard guys have ridiculous gimmicks. Like, there'll be, like, one guy who is, I'm fat and I eat too much, so he has to go out every night and just eat chicken legs in the <laughs> ring. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and that's and that's his character and how you're going to build to the higher up the card, the more money you make. So how are you going to get over and things like that? I, it's everything that comes together is just chaos. And then the moments it can create. I was trying to think of, I, cause I thought it would be, I'd have to justify watching it at some point during this document, at some point during this podcast. But um, if you look at any kind of art form or sport, even, uh, there is some moments where you'll get a reaction in wrestling 
which you will never see elsewhere. Like you talk about, you go to the yeah. theater to see the best possible Liam Miz, and then watch a good Royal Rumble. Right, the Royal Rumble is thirty men come in one by one, and you have to be chucked over the top rope. The winner gets a title shot. Right. Okay. So uh, this year in the Royal Rumble, there was a guy who broke his neck nine years ago, never able to wrestle again. He's done like backstage stuff. He's done documentaries. Guy called Edge, Adam Copeland, and this year with no one knowing the surprise was happening. He, he came back during the Royal Rumble, and when his music hits, it's like the first line of his music. you got to check it out. I'm getting goosebumps you talking about this. Though. Honestly, it is 40,000 people just won the World Cup all cheering and so happy. And he comes out, and you can see him amped up because you've seen the documentaries about how much he loved the wrestling and stuff. Little things like that. I mean, it takes years to have a moment like that, but they are there within wrestling. And I'll show you some of that. Cause I, I literally, I'll sit and watch top 10 wrestler returns and things like that oh well you can start sending me your youtube links now there, there's a lovely quote from from brett wrestling is far more real than people think and it absolutely yeah, is yeah. right yeah. for him it's, it is uh, yeah if you grew up with Stu hart his dad is um so they 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 start by laying down the foundation of the of, of the of documentary the yeah and it's, we'll start um, running through the dock and then we'll we'll spring off on, on different parts to um Discuss it. You, you, you finish that thought you have, and then we'll go. Well, it's just uh, how it, again, like, so how it starts up. So I'm sitting it, and I'm cursing you, right? So you, you can't buy the. The sad thing is, you can't buy a copy of this. I tried to buy a copy. Um, uh, you can't. And I looked everywhere. Mo- Moral Matt Wills. That would be your wrestling character. <laughs> 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 he comes out. He gives an apology to every opponent he has. <laughs> Sorry for my youth. Um, so yeah, you can. So I had to watch it on on YouTube. So it's an old grainy VHS copy, um, and it starts off. It starts off, and it says, you know, he's been asked to he's been asked to throw the last ever match of his career for WWF, and he says, "I'm a hero, I won't do it." And then it cuts to one year earlier, mm-hmm. and then you're like, "Oh, I'm in, man. We've got an underdog story here. He's being asked to throw it. He's up against the man, and yeah, he's like, no, I'm not going to do it.' Then that's it. I was in from about minute four, and that's when I sent you that text going, "Oh, this is great. Look at this. <laughs> it's brilliant. Excellent. That's exactly what I was hoping for, Matt. <laughs> this this was my icebreaker to you. <laughs> There'll be a couple littered in. So." Yeah, so they said he doesn't want to be losing to Sean. And then it cuts to Vince McMahon, owner of WWE, with a black eye saying, Brett screwed Brett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the opening. That's a very famous interview over over the course of time. Um, goes Yeah, like you said, it goes back a year. Because then, effectively, Vince McMahon was the guy who, who set up WWF and created WWF, effectively. His so granddad he, did. Oh, okay, all right, so he got it. And then... Because he was in charge, and effectively, to Brett the Hitman Hart, um, am I saying that right? Is it Brett the Hitman Hart, or was it just Brett yeah, Hart? Yeah, Brett the, the Hitman, Hitman Hart and Vince McMahon. So, right, okay. You- so, um, well, effectively, the way Brett, who is clearly, throughout the documentary, he is not the character he portrays in the wrestling ring. Right, he they are chalk and cheese. He is so soft. He's lovely. He's the sort of guy. Um, you'd get him to babysit your cat right you go oh, come and look after my cat and he'd be like yeah of course I'll, I'll look after your cat he's that kind of guy he's just soft and lovely and really As... nice. and then he gets in the ring and he tears people apart 
See, I love this because, like in most documentaries, we have a very difference on people's uh, characters. <laughs> Oh, come because on, he's soft. He's lovely. He broke my heart at, look, at least six, seven times. The look, goosebump his, factor for this uh, this documentary is through the roof. His his catchphrase of the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. If you listen to him tell any story, that is the beginning, middle, and end of every story he tells. Because <laughs> <laughs> didn't he make a film, that, and that was the title of the film? And it's again, it's all about him. Because Wrestling oh, With Shadows that... is just about how he left WWF. He's made a load of yeah. other wrestling stuff. And he there's, is there's from wrestling bioptic. royalty. He is effectively... Yeah. Um, so his dad was a wrestler, like a proper wrestler. Uh, yep. And his dad is... what we Where I come from in East London, in England, he, his dad is what we would call uh, a really scary man. He reminds me, right, when I used to go to Upton Park to watch watch West Ham, I sat next to a geezer on my left and he was called Scary Steve because he was really scary. And then four seats up from me, there was another geezer and he was called Really Scary Steve. Cause that's <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what uh, Bret Hart's dad was like. He was like really scary Steve. He was a terrifying man. There's a story he tells. and even listen. You know how hard Stu Hart is because no one ever asks him to repeat himself even though he is practically incoherent. He tells us one story. He goes, see, what they would do there is they would get your hands and they'd, you'd get your head and they'd put it between your legs and then they'd pull your arms up to pull your ass to your head. <laughs> and then, you turn, then your lips would turn blue. <laughs> and then if if you ever see, like, and then you see footage of Stu Hart trying to walk places and he is a hunchback now. Yeah, like he's he is broken is, by wrestling. riddle. Right. Yeah. But again, this is funny because this is this is a this is a documentary that only got made because I only found this out recently, like from on the podcast list. This documentary only got made because they were going through the contract problems with Brett in the first place, and he says they want to do this documentary, so they went, okay, yeah, whatever, and it just happened to coincide. They completely forgot he was having this made until they're like Montreal came around and like oh, oh who's okay. these yeah, yeah. cameras the Mon- Montreal was the last fight he had, yeah, because yeah. they never let people. Um, backstage, it's a it's a closed set. You know, it's it's once you go through that curtain, you're on the wrestling yes. world. And outside, it's what's known as kayfabe. Kayfabe is you are your wrestler. Kayfabe is real. This is all real. So the character, it's, it's you know, in Disney, the um, if you go to a Disneyland or D- Disney World, whatever, the characters when they put that the head on, they are that character. So they're not allowed to speak. They they've got to be in character the whole time. Yes. So you're saying wrestling's the same as Disney. Once, once they're through that curtain, and yeah, this okay. really changed the course of wrestling, uh, the whole action of it, which we will get to. I, I, I'm trying not to jump ahead with info and, and, and stuff have happened. So you see everyone backstage. Uh, so in the ring, I know you probably don't know the names. You see Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, Owen Hart, Anvil, uh, Brian Pillman. They were all dead within four years of this documentary. Oh my god. So oh God! Yeah. Two of those, two of those fellas were his, um, Bro- his brothers in law, weren't they? His, yeah, his brother fell from the ceiling when they I, gave him a daft I gimmick. Yeah, re- yeah, I was reading about that. That was tragic. He's he's had quite a tragic life, you know. It's oh, but and yes, a, and in another do. way, a, a blessed life. Yeah. 
I, I genuinely, I've, I've just grown to fall in love with this man over the space of what the 90 minutes that the documentary took. And then the, the YouTube rabbit hole I went down in wrestling was, and in the Wikipedia pages and yeah, I'm in, I'm a and fan. There's a, I love it. I I'm love an it. Absolute so fan. you first see uh, Vader, do you know the one who's, they say that he's a big baby and he says yes. how he's developed yeah, yeah. properly. Famous for not faking it in the ring. He would actually just punch, like, beat people up in the ring so it looked better. And since he was so big and he was an ex-NFL star, he could just get away with it. Wow. Yeah. And what? And, what, and he was, he's, he's dead now, is he? Oh, Vader died recently. Vader oh, died in okay. the last right. three years. Yeah, because the documentary uh, was made in 98 and it was all around, yeah, it was all around the sort of mid-90s, wasn't it, when all of this happened. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of water, yeah, a lot of water's got under the bridge. And and as he said at the time, he was a 20-year career wrestler. Um and career wrestling, you know, it wasn't big when he started out, but even at that point in 1990, it was about 97, over half a billion people watch it over the world. Half a billion. And this was before the internet. Mm. Right. So that was just on straightforward TV. Wrestling was huge. I I didn't and for some you know, back then when I was I was twenty three back then, so that was twenty three, twenty four. I missed the whole thing. I feel like I've yep. missed the rave generation. You could, but the best part is you can kind of just check the highlights now to catch up. Because <laughs> yeah. trust me, who go YouTube? They will show you an amazing moment, but you don't realize you have to sit through a three hour show of <laughs> not so great stuff to get to that great moment. Do you know what I mean? So what wrestling's about is about the fantastic moments. But uh, so you meet the family, the Hart family. Stu Hart, obviously the most terrifying man you could ever meet. There's eight boys, four girls, all all, all wrestlers, all all the women, married wrestlers. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, all the Hart women look like a different Sarah Connor from Terminator Two. Not not just that, right? They kind of, even though they're all Canadian, um, they speak the, the the women anyway. They speak as if they're from New York. Right, they've got a real oh, right. punch about their their accent, and it's it's a real, it's it's what I would call a working class New York accent. Yeah, he's there's not one of his sisters I didn't fancy just because of her accent. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were okay. cool. But but the the family in itself, because the wife was interviewed, so his mum was interviewed, and she said to her husband, "So what you're going to do? You're going to get into wrestling?" And he went, "Yeah, but only for a couple of years, babe." Right, they've been in wrestling then for for their entire lives. All of their children are involved in wrestling. All of her daughters married wrestlers, and she hates wrestling. Yeah, and her husband. Yeah, absolutely hates it. And how scary is her husband? Right. So is his name Stu Stu Hart? Hart, Right. So he's got a wrestling den in his basement, famously known as the dungeon. The dungeon, right. He would pick up guys from the Y, right, the gym, and go, oh, you want to wrestle? Come on, I'll give you some lessons back at the dungeon. And one day, one of the kids recorded the noises yeah, coming Owen out Yeah, Owen Hart did dungeon, that, yeah. Right? And it sounds a little bit sexual, it, it, you know, from the outside looking in, because the noise is... went up the pipes, they were saying. And he's slapping this poor kid around, and you can only hear it. And then he goes... Get some discipline on your boy. <laughs> but when, it, it, when Brett's talking about when his dad used to do that to him and how he would just yeah. whisper whisper in his ear, this is your last breath. <laughs> and then, yeah, and Brett said him, he believed it. 
He was like, yeah, yeah, that to me, I think I was taking my last breath. And he's an old guy by this stage, right? He's he's hunched over because of his wrestling injuries and stuff. Easily 60s, 70s yeah. age-wise. Yeah. And then he, he's showing these kids, and I say kids, right? They're like 20-odd-year-old blokes. And they're wrestlers, and they're built like, you know, they're built like geezers. They're proper. You, Big lads, You, you wouldn't yeah. be able to knock them down. And he gets them in a wrestling hold, and the bloke is in a serious amount of pain. And then Stu Hart goes... And can you see this vein on his head throbbing? Yeah. What that means is his blood vessels are going to burst in his eyes. <laughs> and in a minute, he will pass out. <laughs> <laughs> He's a proper sadist. Right, and then, but he uh, loves and, his sport. And out of the 12 kids, it shows. It's almost like uh, I'd liken it to the Jackson family. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. you, the amount of pressure applied, but you'll only get one diamond, and the rest are ruined for life. Because uh, there is stuff about them. Owen and Brett, yeah, brilliant. Uh, but Bruce Smith and the other guys that you see intermittently all became crazy pillheads. Right, okay. And and the family kind of tore itself apart over time. But um, well, it's a great Brett, quote from Brett, and he said it wasn't easy growing up with a legend as a father. The pressure of that, right? Bloody yeah, hell. not to mention that that not to mention you had to fight your dad for breakfast in the morning. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you get your sleeper hold trying to have your cocoa pops. Yeah, not it wasn't easy having not, not to no, fight your me. dad for breath. It was just <laughs> <laughs> even your last but, breath. This is it, boy. But this disapproval, you can tell it's had such a resonance with Brett. Every scene he's in, like at his dad's birthday, there's a little scene yeah. where he gives a speech. The way he looks at his dad, and he even says I was definitely scared of his dad. Yes. But it, it comes across as he's always wanting to be the alpha, the best, and what Stu is seen as, I think. Because he tells a story in very early in the documentary about a school bully, which... If there was ever if there was ever a story that has aged over time and been added to and been made this and that and also since it's Bret Hart and he's the cool hero no one will ever challenge him on something like an anecdote from school because he'll tell this story goes there was actually this uh, this bully who he was two years older than me and uh, he decided he was going to get me so we had a fight by the flagpoles and he said how the teachers wished him luck <laughs> and how. How he said, everyone's... as I was walking out to the fight, the teacher wished me luck. And then, and what, are then you calling the... bullshit on his story here? Because I, I just was like, yeah, slightly. go for it. Beat the... <laughs> I, was three foot, I was three foot tall in school. I was bullied, right? So I'm like, yeah, get him, Brett. Go on. The underdog. Come on. Go, Brett. Go, Brett. Go to Hitman. Yeah, yeah. the ultra athlete from the hard dungeons, the underdog. Do you know what I mean? Again, I think there's some red coding of that story. <laughs> Just... So he says he tells the story and you can tell the glee in his eyes because it's it's always an, almost an art form to me to watch an arrogant, arrogant guy appear humble. Because you see where his face lights up during the story, you know, and it's in the wrong parts from a humble. But but don't forget, right? So as I said, wrestling is an art, well, yeah. you, and you were saying that as well. So and these guys were were not just actors. The the ones at the top of their uh, the ones at the top of the pyramid here, they were great actors. They were your Lawrence Olivier's, your your Dustin Hoffmans, you know, your. You, you, Harrison Fords. They were, they were up there with the, the greats, and he, he could play a character. So when he's 
telling it. Yeah, you're, you're going to believe him, right? He's no, no, I'm not. I'm not going to believe him in the slightest. <laughs> not when he's telling the story because he'll tell the story. This Wait, is my you, new you, hero, Rick. So, so there's a line being drawn. Here. I, I, I get it. I get it. But you got, you got to... you've been in love with him and fallen out of love with him. I've only just entered into the relationship know, with him. <laughs> mm. I'm 24 hours in because there's some stuff that yeah. Uh, so he says, so I got him down to the ground. You think, oh, that's good. He used to wrestling. He goes, then I smashed his face into the ground pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says how the other kids came and picked him up on their shoulders and yes. cheered that he'd vanquished the bully. I'm just like, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance did that happen. But he was talking about Vince McMahon on the go, the go set up WWF. And he said, um, I spent most of my life trying to prove myself to Vince. Mm-hmm. But deep down, you saw him like a dad. it was it was to my dad, right? And the goosebumps are like, oh my god, it's all See, about that's, his that's dad. A, but, that is a reoccurring theme of wrestler because Vince creates this family atmosphere where he is the father figure to yes. all these yeah, yeah. animals, and that's how he gets them to do. Of course, because they're gets easier them to, do all to the manipulate, time. aren't they? If they without if a they doubt, do that, yeah. You know, it's, but um, you see, just as we saw in the wrestlers. Uh, just a little panning shots of the wrestlers just before we get to meet the hearts. You see Sonny? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, she's going to come up again in a little bit from us, but they've cut this out of the documentary because Brett had creative control, I imagine, or some say in it. So one of the main things, the main theme of this is it's Shawn Michaels represents the new, moving into what they call the attitude era of sophomoric humor. Right. Tell them, tell them people to suck it. All this kind of stuff, which absolutely dominated the eighteen to twenty-four demographic. Yeah, and he was uh, against that, wasn't he? But Brett, Brett was, was all 100% against that because he's like, that. no, wrestling is not about sex; it's about wrestling, you know. But Brett had an affair with Sonny. Yep. During that, this that was, time, that that seemed plausible because there was a line in it. Cause I was watching it; cause I didn't know if that was included in the documentary, but it's very well documented after the fact that because um, he he goes, Sonny, she's very flirtatious, but uh, we're just friends. <laughs> <laughs> very quickly in the voiceover when I know fine well because one of the huge reasons why he refused to lose to Sean it was all fake between them they were riling each other up but they were playing to what they call playing to the boys so they pretended they hated each other on the back of a match they had the year before at Wrestlemania and they were building to a huge thing because the idea was if you can convince the guys in the back you hate the guy then yeah. It's going to be no problem out there, and that's what makes money and heat, as they refer yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, well, but bums on ju- seats. It's a bums on seats game, right? And they have these things called like dirt sheets back in the day, which was the equivalent of a newsletter that will tell you the backstage goss and that kind of stuff. So they would play to the dirt sheets as well and fake those guys. Right. But Sean took it too far and said on on Monday Night Raw in the ring goes, "I know you've been having some sunny days." Basically, oh, right. So he outed him for. So and Sean was also sleeping with Sonny. That I don't know when that was, but there's a huge thing about because Sonny had a boyfriend that was neither of those two guys in the wrestling uh, called Chris Candido, who later killed himself. Um, and Sonny, oh by the way, if you if you if you want to be sad, look at what Sonny is now. She got arrested last week for smuggling pills. Like it's not good what oh. happened to Sonny. But um, she seems such a sweet girl. But I guess that was in 1997. Yeah, yeah, she seems sweet. But when you know she's been sli- sleeping with Brett and then sitting playing with her kids in front of the wife. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, she's saying yeah, because yeah, because they because they're all part of the family, right? You're right. He he creates a, a family type atmosphere, Vince McMahon. So uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so we did the so it goes through the dungeon and then it goes to Stampede Wrestling, which was Stu Hart's territory. 
in Canada that Vince McMahon bought and got Brett as part of the deal. Yeah. So he was. So it was all local TV, and McMahon went around and bought all their rights to television, so he could put WWE where there was once Stampede Wrestling on it. Right. But how? And he, he was building up a brand, wasn't he? That was what he was, he was building by up build, a global by buying network, territories yeah. and yeah, yeah. And because um, it was used to be run by the mob, with and they would, they would have eight different territories decide who the champion was. It's a whole South versus North thing for wrestling. But um, so I saw you stampede wrestling, and then how Brett first got into wrestling as a young kid. But he had Stu wrestling with him, and Stu is not in great shape. When you see Stu in the ring, did you see that? It's, yeah. It was like the old ring with the loose ropes, and he just did not look. Um, did not look in great shape. Well, there's a great quote from from Brett, and he said, "I was," and he, in all seriousness, he says this. He, he says, "I was deathly afraid of my father. He's yeah. terrified of his dad. He's I'm terrified of his dad." Right? Oh God, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Stu, Stu Hart's terrifying. But uh, did you he, see when a... he um, he comes down? To, he talks about being terrified of his dad, and then it cuts to him sitting on his stairs, right, and then it pans back. And basically, at the bottom of his stairs, he's got a rubber mannequin in and an electric chair being electrocuted. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What is that about, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> and he went, yeah, I, I, I guess because, you know, I wouldn't want to see this to happen to a real person, but to a mannequin because this is fake. And it this mannequin, and it looks so real, like a human I've being. I've seen it in Scarborough, in like Scarborough, an electric chair. It's like one of the things that have in like a kid's haunted house. And you it's walk terrifying. Past it and it go- yeah. He's got this at the bottom of the stairs in his house. And that's the stairs to the hall that opens up to the front door to the rest of the world. That's what people see when they walk in his house. A human yeah. being <laughs> strapped to an electric chair. <laughs> why, when why you, Rick? When you, when you grow up in the dungeon, that probably helps him sleep. That's like white noise to him yeah. after... <laughs> Just hear a 20 guys scream from the basement. So he was working for WWF and effectively Ted Turner comes along and and tries to tries to poach him, right? Now Ted Turner, Ted Turner set up CNN, right? Ted yeah. Turner, one of the richest people at the time on the planet. Ted Turner was so successful, he married Jane Fonda. Right? That's, that's when you know you're successful when Jane Fonda's like yeah go on I'll have a go on that um, <laughs> and he offered him nine million dollars over three years yeah and what did the hitman do so that again WWE you work on a profit share from TV sales and so you get a very small standard fee and then depending on where you are, there's like a formula that works out what you get as a payoff from each event. So there isn't a cap on what you can earn, but you are not. You don't know what you're going to earn. And they're not technically hired by WWE. They're all independent contractors, but they can only work for WWE, so they don't have to pay health care. Um, the amount of dates they work a year is absolutely insane, and all your travel costs, I think, you incur. So the, and then when WW, WCW had a conglomerate behind them, and that was te- well, that was Ted Turner, and that was Turner, yeah, yeah. Uh, because of an argument with him and Vince McMahon. Vince Ted Turner decided he wanted his own wrestling show again. He then started offering uh, guaranteed money, and a few guys just before this jumped ship for big money and really reinvigorated WCW. They also got Hulk Hogan to go to WCW, which was a big portrayal of Vince McMahon because obviously he helped build Hulk Hogan. Hulkamania was huge for them. 
And then, um, so he gets offered the nine million contract, and he turns it down turns to stick down. with WWE. Goosebumps, yeah. baby! I got goosebumps on my goosebumps at that stage. Out of sheer loyalty, and- yeah, and because he saw him as this father figure, right? Um, and he yep. said, "What do I have to do for you to keep me on?" And they went, yeah. "Well, I got, do you want to sign a twenty-year contract?" And the hitman says, "Yeah, okay, let's sign it. If, if that's what it takes." That deal was going to be levied with, because um, when that deal was made, I think it was just as uh, Diesel, Kevin Nash, and Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, had just went to WCW, and they just done a storyline which made Hulk Hogan turn into a bad guy, which no one ever saw coming. They were called the NWO, and it was massive. Like They just chucked everything at it. And it was less dates, great money, um. But it was like the Wild West. They didn't have a Vince McMahon with the final say on everything. So you couldn't really protect your character that well. And the characters were everything, right? That so was everything they, they to him. They created a character. Yeah. Yet to him, he'd created... It meant a, the world to him. Yeah, they created this... And he was the good guy in wrestling. He had integrity. He spoke the truth. In the beginning, right, the first scene in the beginning is he visits a school in India. And these. And he what, said... What, what does he what, say? He said... Um, Oh, hang on, because I wrote this down. I'll, this was I'll tell you exactly a, what oh, he oh, said. Have you got it written down? Go for it. He said it was like a god had turned up. Yes. And, and, and again, he meant this, that in all sincerity, right? He had that, yeah. He believed it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he believed he was a god. But these kids adored him, right? These sort of eight-year-old Indian kids were like, oh, God, a hitman, yeah. But so then they go, They then there's a quick chat of him and his son in the car, and he explains when he broke his sternum. He broke Jim. every single rib, right? And yeah. basically, the guy threw him out of threw him out of the wrestling ring. Um, he landed on the metal railings. He landed on the metal railings, broke all his ribs. The guy he was wrestling didn't know that. Gets out, keeps beating on him as people are calling him a phony for not getting up. Yeah. <laughs> and he said it was at that point he realised the fans are not very nice because wrestling is driven by the fans because they're the money. Right, he, they they play to the crowd. Never forget, it is redneck theatre. Is exactly what wrestling is. Well, it's clearly not. You're not a redneck, right? You're an intelligent guy. My mate Jim, as I said, he's a smart guy. He loves wrestling, absolutely loves it. But the guy who did that, Dino Bravo, there's literally just been a documentary come out because he was killed in a mob hit. No, the guy in the guy in the ring with from your hit. That I've literally just watched the review, documentary. We've got to review that documentary. That's I got to be honest, Matt. If we're going into wrestling documentaries, it's eighty-five before you get to the Dino Bravo <laughs> story. <laughs> At least <laughs> I, I have a new love to get me through the summer. It is wrestling, and then so then they talk, and this goes into the pair. They said they would look after him, and then he had yeah. to go back to work because the pay wasn't going to be more than like bare minimum. So he went back, and this is what happens with a lot of wrestlers. They go back, especially when they get high up or they're close to what's called a push to be in a main yeah. event. They work injured, and then uh, until, I mean, they develop the worst pill problems, the steroids to help them get over injuries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there was like, there's no unions or anything like that to help them out. They are just, and yeah, the the amount of pill problems in wrestling, I I could do an hour listening to people you've seen in this documentary that died very soon after. Because they're all on on pills for pain. The painkillers and all sorts, yeah. yeah. So then they talk about... um, 
They they introduce a character, which I, I'll go into more of him on the end of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, and that was that feud with Brett was brilliant. Like in terms of wrestling history, that match, you know, the one where Brett turns into a bad guy. So they say Brett to turn yeah. a bad guy. Um, and that was a big deal for him. Well, that was a huge deal, right? Because he stayed with WWF because he was the good guy. But then, it, again, a great a great quote from Brett. The fans control everything. Because, they used to. Because, well, yeah, okay. So we, we, we take it out the time. So um, then WWF noticed that the fans were getting more behind because it was always good, good versus evil, right? And what, yeah, what Vince... McMahon noticed was the fact that the fans were getting more behind the bad guy. Yeah. So we said, well, because they were more entertaining by far. Of course they are, right? You'd love the Darth Vader. Look, he's the greatest bad guy going. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So he goes, well, let's make, because he loved, he genuinely did. You you get the impression he'd, he, he, he loved took so Brett, much pride right? in it. Yeah, he did. And he, he built something up. And then Ted Turner, the billionaire, comes along, tries to steal it from you. Yeah, you're freaking out. Um, but yeah, the 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 fans were were the fans were brutal. So the Austin was incredible. That match there had never been. It's called a heel turn. You would normally do something, turn on a tag partner or something, then you're the bad guy. Um, it's known as a heel turn. But they'd never switched a heel and a babyface, a good guy, in the same match before. And that match of like, so you bust them open. There wasn't a lot of blood back in those days, particularly not in WWE. So, like, Austin's in the sharpshooter screaming but doesn't give up in a pool of his own blood. So he's like the badass Texan. And then Brett goes on to do it. And I think um, the way he does the heel turn, Brett, was amazing. That year, the year that they follow, was probably Bret Hart's best year creatively as a bad guy. Yeah. Because he managed to be a bad guy in America but a good guy in Canada. Yeah, so so his bad guy persona... And he embraced this again, like Laurence Olivier going for an Oscar, right? He embraces the bad guy so much, he decides to take on America. And and this is what the genius of it. He bases it all in truth. So he goes, yeah. I'm going to sew in the fact that fans are turned against me. But then he does a promo. That's when they just talk in the ring of a microphone to the crowd, where like a, he's wearing a Canadian hockey shirt. Yes. Big 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 move to get the fans on side. And then he talks about how Canada has healthcare, gun control, and we're not racist. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you see then you see a guy called the Patriot come out with the American flag and Brett attacks him from behind. During the during the American national anthem, right? Yeah. But there's a just the scene just before that is when Brett when Brett realizes how mean the fans are, he's like, When I was getting beaten up when I was hurt, he goes and it, you can see his heart breaks. You, you could just see it on him. And it's it, it's basically, he, he talks about the character as a person. And it's mm. the character is someone he dearly loves because he's been creating this character for a couple of decades, right? Yep. And, and when the fans turn against that character, he's not happy with it, is it? He doesn't want to be the bad guy. But if he's going to be the bad guy, he's going to be the best fucking bad guy there's ever been. Another big thing about why people don't want to be bad guys is, again, like I say, it's not guaranteed money in WWE. So the idea is, is the good guys make a lot more from merchandise sales right, to get okay. a percentage. Because, I mean, he, he was in The Simpsons. He was in a PlayStation game. He was uh, he had he had uh, dolls and, you know, action figures. And he had the lot, oh. right? 
yeah, the t-shirts, the glasses, all all gets a piece of it. And the minute you go a bad guy, the kids don't want to buy that stuff anymore. If you would have been on time today for this recording, Rick, I might have saved myself $25 on not buying Brett the Hitman Hearts t-shirt on eBay, right? So you went and bought a Brett Hart t-shirt. <laughs> I'm in, baby. I'm in. I, I want to be like you when you were seven, going to the fancy dress. I'm going to get my cycling glasses. I'll get my parachute out with the pink piping and the yeah. I'm in. Come on, oh, I love it's, it. Uh, I absolutely love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you went and bought a t-shirt. I loved it. Yeah, I just I fell in love with Brett. I just the whole way through, and he just grew on me and grew on me and grew on me. And when he starts attacking America, there's a great quote from the fan, right? So they cut to the crowd and they said to these, so basically he's, it was at the bit where he's having a go at America and they've cut to the crowd and they said to the crowd of Americans, so why does Canada suck? And this fan goes, because they said we do. They started it. (laughs) (laughs) It was so childish, yet so beautiful. And you're right. I guess what you said about being a, what is it? Red, redneck theater. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah that sums it up because the fans they interview are not, yeah, they're, they're not the smartest guys going, are they? Uh, but this is where the the stuff I really find fascinating is, um, so the, he's coming up to a match with the Undertaker where he's going to win the title, but Shawn Michaels is the special guest referee. Yeah, and then Shawn's going to become the number one bad guy on his actions in this and it's this whole because everyone has their own day sure michael's group of friends was even called the click and then he had the 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 heart foundation was kind of his family had around so you'd have everyone in your ear going if they do that that means this yes yeah yeah it's because it's their gang it's all hyperbolic yeah and it just just all all bubbles up so the idea of worrying about the character and, and who says what and now he's Lost all of his heat is what they call when the fans are angry with him. Goes going to go to Sean, and I just found that side of it. Like I would love, like I, I I'm trying to outline a, a, a writing project of if a soap opera was ran like wrestling. Beautiful. I would absolutely love it. So if Phil Mitchell was backstage fighting to be like, you know, no, I own the chip shop because if I don't own the chip shop, that puts me here in the pecking order. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, backstage. It means I will work for longer if I own the chip shop. Yeah. Or give me control of the laundrette because then I've got a role for life. But it's great. You see him with his kid a lot during it and the kids are running around. Yeah. And you even see his kid playing with Shawn Michaels yeah. uh, a bit. But they're they all running know around one another. They're all talking backstage, right? They're all hanging out because... Yeah. Because it is fabricated uh, in terms of the moves, although it's it's not laid out with, um, you know, they're not there with pieces of paper going, look, if I do this, I do this. And he just said, well, I'm going to come in. I'll hit you a few times. And I'll, okay, well, I'll, I'll stamp in your head a few times and we'll do that. And I'll hit well, you with a chair. And The old school was called calling it in the ring. So uh, there's an Arn Anderson podcast. He says you have to be an actor, an athlete, and a ventriloquist. Right. So when you watch, when you watch them and they do the lockups, that's when they're kind of telling them duck, what they're going to do. The clothesline. Yeah, and there's like set spots you would do and things like that. So it's little moments like that. And if you see someone take a big hit, you'll come see the referee check them. And if they squeeze the referee's hand, that's that's to say that they're all okay to continue. Oh, okay. All right. So because there was a, there's, there's a love, again, another lovely little little quote in it. So they um, they interview this, um, they interview this, this kid in the crowd and uh, it, it, clearly one of the smartest people in. 
in the crowd and they picked the perfect guy for it because he said, wrestling is not sport. It's sports entertainment. And it's there to fulfill your needs to give you something extra to look forward to. That's it. And he, yeah, it, that summed it up. The minute he said that, that kid said that, I went, ah, oh, yeah, okay. All right, that makes complete also, sense to me. If you bear in mind with this as well, it is by far now by uh, no nothing's ever catching it the longest running episodic television program of all time so if you imagine it's just something you watch there was never actually a break <laughs> so it, it, like there was never a, a week off they build all the other wrestlemania they do it the night after and then they go again it is like three wrestling shows a week four now two hours a show at least and when it comes down to like when my mate was ill in the hospital last year, mate, we every month we had the wrestling to watch. Do you know what I mean? We had right, yeah, yeah, yeah. catch up on what's happened. WrestleMania happened in uni. That it really solidified like a group of friends because we start we got WrestleMania one year and fifteen lads turned up, so we watched one. We watched the pay per view every month, and it became the best time. We'd have fifteen oh, lads. Beautiful. Getting wrecked, like the Royal Rumble, you'd pick numbers out of a hat and put money in. So whatever number a guy came out, if he wins, you t- you take the money. And again, it just it, it, if you're into it, there's that much to talk about and laugh about, and there's that much ridiculous with it. But there is moments, and there was like moments during throughout watching it, and that's why I always love where even the people who know who writes the scripts and gives them the coffees jumps to their feet and says, I can't believe that just happened. Like, oh, fuck, that killed him. He's dead. Is yeah. that all right? <laughs> like, like, and there was just moments in it that is just absolutely brilliant. Um, Literally, from the second he started talking um, and, until it ended. So the fact I went back and I watched bits again. Um, my missus walked in during it and I, I went, oh, you got to watch this bit. And I, I was bringing I think I watched it twice in just the telling her of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, just the... Just every every single person in that was a character. Yeah. And, it, what, yeah, yeah, and it, another great quote from a fan, right? So when he's going from becoming, so he's a good guy in wrestling, and then Vince McMahon makes him a bad guy because he's like, look, we can you know do this. And then a great quote from a fan: Bret Hart never turned against his fans; they turned against him. And that, yeah, yeah. that's it. And, and like I said, the fans control everything. It's a bums on seats business. So, um, you know. Now he was in trouble. Like that is true. That is that WCW was winning. Yeah, the Ted TV Turner war. was winning him. Right, he was gonna he was gonna beat him. He, he had money. Ted Turner signed the checks, but that's another WWEism because they go, "I'm up against a billionaire." It was a guy called Eric Bischoff took over as a manager of WCW and made all these great moves. But they they were using Ted Turner's money. Right. Ted Turner owned a conglomerate. He didn't know what Hulk Hogan was doing on Monday night. Whereas Vince controls everything of his, so again, it's coming the family against a big conglomerate. And to equate you know it I mean? to Where... Star Wars, I saw Vince McMahon as um, the evil empire, you know, and the the great quote in Star Wars, you know, that the tighter they squeeze, the more of us will slip through their grip. And I, I saw Vince like that was squeezing them all so tight they were all trying to get away from him. Yeah, but apart from Brett, Brett did not want to leave this guy, and so he signed the twenty year no. deal. And then Vince turns around to him and says, "You got to, you got to do one, son. I can't afford you anymore." And another thing with Brett is like this is because the wrestling was important to him. The wrestling was his life. He was never in it for. I mean, obviously the money is a big factor, but he really took pride in his body of work. Yes. So WCW, 
they had a huge WCW logo on their ring. And Brett hated that because the ring was like his canvas. It looked yeah messier, the shot. So little things like that, that is the, the, the level of artistry he had with it. And earlier in the documentary, they go through his working punches and how close it looks like he's smacking, like how he took pride in the way he does things. But the minute... Now, the minute they say they can't do the contract, that's when, you know, the dissenting voices start to come in. Like, did they turn me from being the number one good guy for a year because they knew they were going to lose me and they don't want the number one good guy going to another company? Yeah. And that's where the paranoia starts to set of in. Course. And the problem is yeah, I, yeah. I think they treated like every fan is in the locker room with them and knows everything that's going on. I don't think that's the case. It's much more passive and enjoyable viewing, which we'll get to in the final scenes of it. But um, so they they overthink everything because so so he's going to be leaving and he's he's down to fight Sean in Montreal. That's right, for his but the final thing is, fight. Brett the Hitman Hart has the belt of WWE. He is the champion currently, and his contract runs out with him still as the champion. That's a problem because WCW got their women's champion that year and she turned up on WCW and chucked their belt in the bin. And that was a huge court case that was going on during this. So that's what they were worried about is Brett turning up and saying, WWF is terrible. I'm here where the where the real people Well, he, he, he was so gutted, right? Even, even though he didn't, he didn't want to be the bad guy, right? But like I said, he embraced it. And he said, I was the number one good guy. Then I became the number one bad guy. And now you're giving my bad guy status to someone else. No, how dare you? You, yeah. you don't do that. Yeah, and it was he. He saw it as um, effectively. It was he's basically going et tu brute, isn't he? You know what? You're stabbing me in the back. I've done everything for you, and you're contriving my 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 collapse here. It's so unfair. Yeah. And then they they did. Yeah, so oh. it comes to Montreal, the most talked about moment in wrestling. Now, the great thing about this documentary was he was wearing a wire when he goes and talks to Vince about the ending of I the match. I lost a little bit of respect for him there. Wearing the wire. You wear a wire. You can't wear a wire. Come on. It proves it, though, because Vince would have lied. Vince would have lied right Vince the way through and said, I yeah. never said that. Well, Vince so, is a businessman, right? That's what, that's what so, they do. But... There is an element. I'll go, we'll get to it from from the opinions of it afterwards. So, what happened next is um, Brett agrees to the match will end in what they call a run in. So, you can't win a belt by a count out or a disqualification. Right. The title can't change hands in the rules of wrestling. Okay. So, the idea was Sean's going to get him in Brett's finishing move, the sharpshooter. Yeah. Brett Brett's going to reverse it. And then they're going to have people run down and interrupt before Sean taps out. So Sean doesn't get you. called a quitter and Brett doesn't lose in Canada, yeah. which is a huge thing to him there. So, and then what happened is there's a guy called Gerald Briscoe. This isn't in the documentary. This is from the other stuff I've watched. Grabs the ref before <laughs> before he uh, goes out and tells poor Earl Hebner, who would swore on his kids to Brett that he wouldn't get screwed because yes. Brett was worried about that yeah. happening. Swore on his kids that it wouldn't and says, when we tell you to ring the bell, you ring the bell. Who pays your wages? Yeah. You're doing it. That's the golden rule. The golden rule is he he who's got the gold makes the rules. Only four people knew that that was going to happen. And the rest of the people who, uh, did you see them with the headsets watching the monitors? Yeah. Given, they didn't know. So they've got 
Bret Hart's friends who are going to run down and help him at the end because I think the end and was going to be them all in the ring waving the Canadian flag and waving Brett off was going to be what they well basically what he, he said is end. look the whole from Brett's point of view he said look the whole thing ends up in a great schmoz which I then had to stop yeah. I had to Google what schmoz means and basically it's a massive ruck where all the wrestlers get in the ring and they all just beat one another up for a quite a time. And then, yeah, no yeah, one's and no the, one's won, no one's lost, but the crowd have seen everybody have a big ruck. It's like an old, um, in an old Western where everyone's in a bar yeah. having a fight. It's that, basically. So they wanted to schmoz it. But the bad guys will always slip away. Do you know what I mean? They'll run away and fight for another day. Do right. you know what I mean? They're the cowards and the heroes will stand tall, even though in the win-loss column in storyline mode, they didn't win a match necessarily. So they ring the bell. Brett's still, if you watch it, Brett is still trying to reverse the sharpshooter until he hears Shawn Michaels' music starts playing because he just assumes it's a mistake. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So he's still in wrestling yeah, mode. Yeah. And he gets up, spits in Vincent Mann's face. Spits in his face from the ring as well. And he proper yeah. hits oh, him. It's a great shot. Yeah. Like, that's a JFK back and to the left. You know? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. And then he trashes it. He trashes the announced um, table, and then he famously signals the WCW sign on the yeah. And he's heartbroken because the these are not just these are not just actors; these are method actors. They are in it, right? And effectively, they've just trashed his character. So what yeah. he spent a yeah. couple of decades building up, they've trashed it in the space of about twenty seconds. But again, the one thing I disagree with Brett on it is they were still going to cheer him the same amount in Canada. That was not him losing. I, I, This is the one thing that you always do. It's called doing the favor back when wins and losses mattered in wrestling. Right. You, you did the favor for someone else. You put someone else over. You let someone else pin you. Right? It's possessive of a named wrestler. And when you're leaving a territory, you do the favor. You, they, you take a, you all, take a fall. Because they take took a the fall loss. for you, yeah. right? But I think it comes down to, and again, it's a shame it wasn't the documentary, it was the Sunny Days comment of basically saying you've been cheating on your wife on live TV is why he would never lose to Sean. And Sean was also a massive cokehead at the time who said he he wouldn't put you, he, he said he wouldn't put Brett over as well, which really affected yeah, yeah. him. But, but he says in, uh, he's there's a, again, another heartbreaking quote. When they're interviewing him about wrestling, he said... Um, he said, basically, they said, will you get out of wrestling? And he went, no, I'm like a lifer in prison. I'm never getting out. Yeah, he does the Shawshank. Yeah, he says, I'm like in the Shawshank Redemption. And he goes, and basically, what they what they do to wrestlers like me, the promoters, is when they're finished with us, they take us out the back and they put a bullet in the back of our head. Like old yellow. Yeah. yeah. He is he is guilty of hyperbole as well, bro. he's very good at it. <laughs> Because I was in, I didn't. You're saying it's all made up, and I'm like, well, hang on, this. Because uh. uh, there's because um, we come up to the end of the documentary, it's, it's almost peaked, and then they go to the locker room where um, you've got Sean in the locker room. Sean Michaels is in there getting changed, saying he didn't know anything yeah, about yeah. it. Where he he did, um, but the idea was Vincent Mann says, no, only I can be blamed for this. You, you, I'm going to do it, so it doesn't look like you were in on it. And then Vince McMahon goes down, and that's where Brett had punched him in the face. Yep. 
and uh, I think that but no, that his wife. No, much... just before. So the the scene oh, his before wife's that, talking to Triple H. But the, the scene before that, the wife is there, and she just gives them a genuine, heartfelt ticking off, like only a mum of children can. She makes all of those grown men. Now, bear in mind, right? She's like this five foot two woman, and she just yeah. stands there and she just rips into all of them. And what do they do? They hung their heads in shame. Yeah, and they were like, well, that, and she went, well, that you blonde may guy say is that, but be... just so you know, it goes around and it comes around. This will be happening to you. Just you mark my words. And you can see the realisation on the guy's face. Right? It's... Yeah, Triple H has taken over from Vince McMahon like, in the next few years. He married into the family after that. That's the guy who she's telling oh, off. He He's like the, the head. Into the Hart family. Into the McMahons. No, into the McMahons. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> He, he like he like runs wrestling now. He, he started his own company. Oh, so he didn't as a go around and come around. It was um, oh god, no, him, no. He, he had up. the best career of all time. Oh, okay, yeah. well, but and then so that's that's pretty much it. It doesn't show you what happens in. No, you didn't see the WCW. punch. Uh, but what about the analysts? They had. They even had a guy on from MIT analyzing like when Brett was gonna yeah, leave. Yeah, uh, was gonna they're the, leave. They're the dirt sheet guys. And this guy from MIT who. You know, one of the highest respected universities in America, and he's like, "Well, it's all about," and he starts going into it. You're like, "Well, if this guy's a fan, you know." And what's it? The other bloke said. He said, um, "He said." Is it when he referred to him as Hamlet? He said he's like Hamlet. He's a good man in a bad world. What a quote! You couldn't pay for that quote. Although, from what you're saying, he probably did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was sad what had happened. They were right about what would happen in WCW to Brett because they all said they wouldn't know what to do with a Bret Hart, and they didn't. They botched his introduction where he could, he should have really been came out as the alternate hero, and within a year, I think it was, he took a super kick to the head and had a stroke, could never wrestle again. Yeah, well, he's, he's raised his money now for the Stroke Foundation, and and they trashed him right. So Vince McMahon trashed him. And this yeah, and this and is Brett screwed Brett interview. This is what no, this is what really pissed me off. because um, obviously I'm on this guy's side, right? I'm a big Brett mm-hmm. the Hitman heart, I'm buying the t shirt, I'm doing everything. Like, yeah, go Brett. <laughs> and then WWF bought him on, um, but they didn't. They bought on a caricature of him and they bought out a little person to play him. And they went, Look everyone, it's Brett the Hitman Heart. And then they do the old classic, the tall huge man. What was his name? Steve whatever his name was he puts his hand on the on the little person oh that head. was trip triple h and Shawn michaels like Shawn michaels that, yeah. thank you yeah and uh yeah the little guy's like oh just what why just leave my people alone why, why, why are you having a <laughs> why are you bringing my people into it you don't want me as an enemy that's what i'm saying because these guys are what 70 odd now i'm still in my yeah. very late 40s so uh well well so I'll I'll catch you up on kind of what happened off the back of this because this is very interesting uh, to me. Um, so Vince and I, I've I listened to podcast about his his right hand men are doing. So right. you you get to hear Vince's opinion how crazy Vince McMahon is. Vince never wanted to be on camera. Right. He was an announcer and then he was the booker when he was doing that interview of Brett screwed Brett with the black eye. Yeah. He thought he would be perceived as the good guy. Right. In his mind, 100%. And then when he next came out, the amount of booze he got, they realized, oh, my God, we've just thought of the best bad guy of all time. They make Vince McMahon a character, and then that stone-cold Steve Austin goes as the working man up against the maniacal boss, oh. and they 
they explode within a year. The wrestling is the biggest thing going within a year of this because everyone paid attention going, do you know that wrestling? Yeah, it wasn't fake for a moment. Something real happened and everyone tuned into it and went, that's the evil boss that screwed over Bret Hart. And we love that, right? And they, and they, yeah, and they all went for it. They had the, they finally had the villain that they, they really did and they'd end up beating WCW. Um, because they create, because to have a great hero, you need a better villain. You need the villain. Yeah. You need, you watch the Marvel movies, Thanos yeah. was by far the best of villain course, they ever absolutely. had. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and that was fascinating. And again, the, the attention from Montreal and then the building of the Vincent, because the Vincent Mann character is argued in the top three of all time WWE characters. And then, um, so, and it was really funny. So, Bret Hart, uh, years later, a few years after that, because they let a few people left their contracts on the back of what they did to Brett. Right. The only one they wouldn't let leave was Owen, his brother, who again became the Blue Blazer, yeah, and then he and fell from the died. ceiling. Yeah, sadly died. It was and, tragic. And then when when Owen died, that was the first time Vince and Brett spoke, and they released a Bret Hart videography, and that reopened some communication. But still, Brett never got over Montreal. And what then, did they call it? The Montreal no, Screwjob was the... Uh, the Montreal Screwjob is what it's that was the name of his first biography. He's done about four biographies. Oh, yeah. And so Shawn Michaels got booed in Canada for 10 years, no matter where his character was. And Shawn Michaels is up there with prob- probably the best performer of all time is what they miss out in the documentary. Wow. Shawn Michaels was amazing. Yeah. What was his was his and, character called Shawn Michaels as well? So he was... He didn't have a oh, name. Oh, the Harper... His name's Michael Higginbottom or something, but Shawn Michaels is his wrestling name. The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, oh, HBK. Oh, okay, the H- right. Heartbreak Kid. And, so, and he got injured within like a year of that documentary and was out for eight years and then came back. And that was an emotional return because he knacked his back falling on a coffin in a match. What, was, what did they have a coffin in the... What, like Million Dollar Baby? They didn't remove the thing in time. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers if you haven't seen Million Dollar yeah, Baby. Yeah, I've not seen... I've, I know she dies at the end. Yeah, it's um, Clint Eastwood's fault. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. So, so uh, no, so it was against The Undertaker, and The Undertaker used to do matches since he was the dead man. He'd, you lost if he chucked you in a coffin. Oh, okay. All right. And he flips over the rope and catches his back on the back of it. But there was a funny, the one last little thing before I just give you 60 years of wrestling <laughs> catch up is um, so TNA, Total Nonstop Action, was a show that was developed. WCW used to work out at Disney, and they got that studio, and they tried to go one-on-one again with WWE. And the first night that they went head-to-head on a Monday night, they go, all right, give Bret Hart a couple of million. Bret Hart's back. Shawn Michaels in the ring. First time Bret's in a ring in 15 years for WWE. And that just killed the TNA company in a second. But they had Bret Hart and thingy come, and then Bret Hart had a match with Vince McMahon, which was terrible, but... A nice moment. The ultimate, the ultimate quote, sadly, isn't in the documentary. So it was on my uh, when I went down my little fan path afterwards, and it's this: Brett Hitman Hart has been credited with changing the perception of mainstream North American professional wrestling in the early 1990s by bringing technical in ring performance to the fore. Hart is wild widely regarded as one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Sky Sports noted that his legacy of is that of one of, if not the greatest, to have ever graced the square circle. 
What a quote. Yep. Wow. Yep. And, and there's a good reason for that. I mean, because the 80s was Hulkamania, Hulk Hogan. I remember that. I've... And, and But again, but, no, if I wasn't you ever into really... wrestling, but I was into the film Highlander. You're... And it starts by, with Hulk Hogan. So, uh... I don't know. I know he's in Rocky was a big thing. That he was, and Rocky Free. Yeah, yeah. But what they had is big body guys. Uh, there was they just want a huge guy that the fans loved, short matches, and Brett brought the very Canadian and Southern style of wrestling of worked matches where you have surprises, where it's technical wrestling, where it's submission holds, and the actual event of re- of the match is far better, but for Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels than would ever be Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant yeah. style that they used to have. Because, yeah, because they made you love the characters. Right, and therefore, yeah. So you're invested more as an audience member. They, they effectively yeah. they played the crowd. The psychology behind it is genius. It's absolutely it's genius. Right? Yeah, brilliant. I was just, just captivated by how many how many strings to their bow they had from an intelligence point of view. You know, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just that they could take a fall and be thrown out of a ring onto a table. Um, mm. But yeah, they could choreograph. As I said, choreograph. They were the, the greatest method actors. When they were in character, they were in character. That was just, uh, you weren't getting them out of that. Yeah, it was super. I, um, I just fell in love with the whole the whole genre. Loved it. That's that. I, th- I, I think that might have been, I'd caught it on Channel 4 late at night when I had checked out a wrestling years beforehand. And that I, I, I do think that documentary made me then seek it out again as it was on the rise right. with the Attitude Era in Austin and things like that. The Rock, who's biggest in Hollywood now. But uh, yeah, so made up that you enjoyed it. I, I, when I was watching, I thought, am I liking this? Because I know 360 degrees, 180 hindsight and all these daft little stories and stuff. But the fact that you've sat there, and you, no, the fact it, you bought a Bret, Hart, a Bret Hart t-shirt, I do have to have one thing I got told I had to tell you. Because um, I, I, we made that I we used to watch this kind of stuff with at uni. He says, you have to bring up Bret Hart's new wife. Yeah, he's been married because, now four times, I think. Because that documentary, again, his wife is very much a woman that's looked after kids yeah. and is the same age as Brett. Yeah. And then when you watch the Bret Hart DVD collection we got from WWF, you don't see his wife anywhere on it. And it's slyly mentioned at the end, and I, uh, I remarried. And he's got like a 19-year-old... <laughs> on his arm so again it's the classic hero but still doesn't do the most well, he, 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 who knows what he happened he did but... off his cap to his wife he did say you know my wife has put up with a lot of my and... crap and I wasn't a good husband he he makes that quite clear in the documentary yeah, not, not as clear as why because I mean to recommend another podcast, I listened to the Wrestler Review, John Hastings and Dylan Gott. And they have oh, they're all, brilliant. They are absolutely brilliant, the pair of them, as comedians. I've, I don't know what they're like. Oh, that, have I seen? No, because yeah, cause John Hastings took over from um, Brendan Burns. Oh, Brendan. In, they uh, add commentary to bad wrestling matches. Hmm. Yes, which is a great which yeah. is a great thing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival every year. Which I recommend anyone check out the Wrestle Review podcast because John's just done America's Got Talent and nailed it in the last few days. John so Hastings. They may, yeah, oh, super. He, um, uh, but they may have to scrub the Wrestle Review from the internet for the stuff they joke about when his career starts to take <laughs> off. So I'll check it out now. 
before before it goes but they they, they go on and the, the way they go into it and they basically talk about if you read bret hart's autobiography it is this is how many times i cheated on my wife is what it should be called <laughs> oh that poor woman because she she was gorgeous right because it has a picture of her in her youth and then it cuts to her it, after it, being his a sauna yeah for 20 years yeah, yeah and just, it just natural life yeah, yeah life wore her down a little bit but when she gives those all of those people from the ref to the the other wrestlers when she gives them a ticking off you're like ah oh, yeah go on you girl go on and she's got that new york drawl about her accent as well <laughs> yeah no i, I love so, the women in that I, they were just so strong characters just such strong characters so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up because i want to spend some time asking what you watched after <laughs> you watched the yeah uh, Watch the documentary. So, uh, Matt, what's what's your score f- out of five there for Bret Hart wrestling with shadows? There is no other number it could be unless I was allowed to go higher, which, as I've found out, I'm not allowed to. So, this for me is up there with the battered bastards of baseball. This is a very healthy five. Loved it. And five again. Uh, gets it gets us a very very solid four from me. Oh come on! You're a massive wrestling fan. I am a huge wrestling fan, but again, I... I what does a documentary got to do to, to be a five? I mean, what... We'll, we'll find out we'll, when we we'll hit a five. We'll see, yeah. That'll, that'll be the thing. We'll see. Be, I'll make sure I'm I'll not try standing to build it. up. That's, uh... It's going to be the star in the ordinary car of, of who gets top spot for it. But yeah, I'm going to give it a four. I'm a big fan of it. If you like your wrestling, if not, as you can hear from Matt, it can it can show you a world into... Because yeah. it's, it's so vast. Yeah. And 30 years of nothing but content is ridiculous for it. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, There are more episodes coming up. Uh, You can find us on all the normal places that you get your podcast. Happily subscribe. We're on the Facebook page if you want to talk to us on that. Me and Rick are always available. Twitter, Instagram. Also, also looking for recommendations for documentaries to review as well. Absolutely. And we will watch anything. Um, and we do mean anything from a documentary uh, standpoint. Ideally, we don't want to, we don't want to be watching series yet. So just give us a single documentary. We'll work up to we'll work up to series. So thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next time on discussing documentaries. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Rick. Thanks very thanks very much, guys. Good luck. Brilliant.